1: Sometimes things work really well, but they might not be best for you, the user. Other times, they might not work at all, but they're safe, right? Because they don't have a product that would kill what it is that you're trying to kill. Let's take a look at a perfect example of that. Tick repellents. Pennsylvania, number one, according to the Centers for Disease Control, when it comes to Lyme disease cases. More than 100,000 A year here in Pennsylvania. So the issue is, what do we do? How do you come up with a tick repellent that works, but that is safe? And the University of Pittsburgh has been awarded $115,000 in research money to develop a tick repellent that does both, checks both boxes, safe, and effective. And joining us is Dr. Jill Henning, professor of biology at the University of Pittsburgh in Johnstown. Jill, it is great to have you here. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks, Rick. It's nice to ha- nice to be here. So,
1: give me an idea. How do you get involved in research like this? Was it something from your biology research or was it something that somebody in the medical people field came to you and said, "Hey, you understand this stuff better because it's involving, you know, bugs outside and that's biology that's outside of our realm." I mean, how did you get involved in
0: this? Well, that's a great question. I've actually been studying tick biology since I was an undergrad at Washington and Jefferson University in 2000. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I just dated myself, (laughs) didn't I?
1: (laughs) It's okay. I had kids by then, three of them. So you're you're younger than I am. You're good.
0: But, yeah, so what happened uh, during the course of that 23 years of work is uh, about six years ago, I started thinking about a way that we could repel ticks. Without using DEET and with a better solution than the essential oils. And I was like, well, you know what? They, they detect us with carbon dioxide. So why can't we just use naturally carbon, di- naturally binding compounds in our body that, that do that, that bind carbon dioxide? And so uh, I talked to a couple of my colleagues and it took us a couple of years to get things squared away and, and our proposal solidified, but we, uh, we were able to apply for, the money that the University of Pittsburgh has in their pinch award, they this uh, this program is for innovative solutions to challenging health problems. And as you mentioned in your intro, Lyme disease is certainly one of those.
1: So as we look at DEET, help us to understand. I mean some people will say, well DEET is safe if you don't have too much of it, but if you have too much of it, you end up with issues with skin usually, right? Blisters, rashes and and irritations. Is or are there more things even beyond that?
0: So there are some things that happen with DEET. Now, I'd like to remind everyone that if they use it correctly, um, it should be okay. But the most people don't really read the labels on bug spray. Right. So some of the harmful problems are if you get it in your eyes or, or if you inhale it or, or, or have it get into your mouth. It can cause irritation in those membranes. Like the, in the nose and in the mouth, and lead to vomiting and, and nosebleeds. Um, and in some severe cases, there have been reporting incidences of seizures in children for using too much. So it's really not that um, of a, a, a nice chemical, so to speak. And uh, when the when the EPA registered it, they actually registered D as an indoor use chemical. So we don't even know what it does to the environment, except for there. I mean, there are some. People that were studying that and showed that it does, um, it is found in drinking water. So, so we really got to try to find a way to to stop using that chemical.
1: So then, give us an idea in the research that you are doing right now as part of this innovation challenge. Give us an idea of what you're
0: finding. So we have uh, this. This was a concept. So we're in the process of designing. Uh, we just got the money, uh, so we're going to work on the experiments right now. But basically we're going to test using two compounds that naturally bind to carbon dioxide that are found in our body. The first one is hemoglobin. It's in your red blood cells. It carries oxygen and carbon dioxide throughout your body. And so we're going to look at carbon dioxide binding levels in different kinds of solvents. So like um, aloe vera, um, glycerin, things like that that you already put on your skin or can already be placed on their skin. And we're going to see if it will bind the carbon dioxide coming out of the skin to sort of mask you from the from the sensations that the ticks have to find us. And then we're also going to use a compound called hemocyanin. Hemocyanin is the hemoglobin equivalent that's found in like crustaceans, so like crayfish and shrimp, um, and they do the they it does the same kind of thing. So we're going to be testing those in a humidity and temperature controlled environment so that we can determine different kinds of environmental conditions that you know how much will you have to wear if it's hot outside how much will you have to wear if it's cold outside kind of thing
1: so the thing that's interesting to me is I I think when we breathe out when we exhale after the blood takes it puts it into the lungs we breathe out that's how we're getting rid of carbon dioxide right so if that's already coming out of us help me understand why ticks don't stay away and maybe it's because there's much more of our body than just around our our mouth and our nose
0: well, that's a, that is a great question. So they do sense carbon dioxide. So we do exhale it out of our mouth and nose every time that we breathe out. But um, ticks are low to the ground, uh, usually. Um, they're going to be at least questing ticks. That, and by that term, it means that ticks are, that aren't on a host, aren't on deer or another animal. Um, they're going to be on the ground because they don't have wings and they can't fly. So they have to climb up things. So they're not climbing up a tree or climbing up a large Uh, a large um, tree branch so they're not going to be at our head
1: and neck level and therefore Mm the co2 doesn't really do any any good
0: right it just dissipates out into the air but the co2 that comes out of your pores on your skin Mm. they can sense that
1: interesting so is the idea to keep them from i mean you put on a dog or a cat you put on medicine that basically keeps or discourages ticks from latching on are you thinking that you can do the same sort of thing with people
0: So we don't want to keep the ticks from, we don't even want the ticks to know that we're there. So the the things that we use on our our domestic pets, like our cats and dogs, are a pill form that they take that then is excreted out into their skin that is a deterrent that the ticks will get on them, but then won't want to bite them. For us, we're just thinking like, think like Harry Potter's cloak of invisibility, like they just won't even be able to know we're there. So they'll just not even see us or think about it in that way because we're going to block the sense the, the chemicals that they use to sense us. So they won't even they won't even come to us or look for us. They'll just keep keep attached to whatever they're holding on to, like the reed or the the plant that they're stuck on.
1: So give me a sense then of how long you anticipate this taking i mean is this something that is years and years or do you see this being something that you can get some sort of a an answer or a solution pretty quickly
0: so that's a great question too we hope to have a direct to consumer product in 18 months that seems fast yeah yeah We'll we'll have we'll have the answers um probably by january and then it'll just be about testing formulations what's the best formula Um, And then we're also going to be trying to do recommendations based upon, um, like, body size. So children might need to wear less because they're going to have less respiration because they're littler and their bodies aren't as large compared to, you know, a a larger 6'4 linebacker.
1: (laughs) So I'm guessing you're thinking that this would be a topical, this would be a lotion, something maybe you spray on rather than something you take and ingest, right?
0: Yeah, we're thinking of a lotion or a spray that would, that would be able to be used. And also, obviously, because we're trying to do a green alternative, we don't want it to have any aerosol. So it would just be uh, an, an emulsion-based lotion or spray.
1: I just love the fact that in the last 10 minutes, we managed to talk about Washington and Jefferson, Harry Potter <laughs> and a Cloak of Invisibility, and 6-4 Linebackers while we're talking about tick-borne diseases. This has been fascinating. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. You're most welcome. No, this is really great. And, Joe, please keep in touch as we go down the road because I think, again, there are many people, and anybody who's ever been diagnosed with Lyme disease realizes how debilitating that can be. There are a lot of people who are going to be paying very close attention to the work that you're doing. So please keep in touch, okay?
0: Will do. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Jill Henning, joining us again, a biologist at the University of Pittsburgh in Johnstown, working on development of some things that will keep ticks from knowing that we are there, which thereby means they're not on us, they don't bite us, and therefore cutting down on the potential of debilitating Lyme disease.